You're listening to a 3CR podcast created in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au. Housing for the Aged Action Group, HAG for short, a housing group for older people run by old people. Present Raise the Roof! We advocate for secure, affordable and appropriate housing. So listen up on the second and fourth Wednesday of the month at 5.30pm on 3CR 855 on your AM dial. That's right, you're listening to Raise the Roof, the Housing for the Aged Action Group show here on 3CR, 8.55am, with your vivacious hosts, Shane and Fiona. Fiona, you look so alert and full of life today. How are you feeling? I'm absolutely alert and full of life. As always, as always. And today, a special episode, we have two guests. That's twice what you normally get out of us. Uh, So, Fiona, who are we going to hear from first? So... Listeners may remember that um, we have been making lots of um, input into the social housing regulation review. So have lots of other organisations who care about public housing and um, tenants' rights. And one of those is the Victorian Public Tenants Association. So on Friday last week, I got Caitlin Butters, who's from who's the Chief Executive Officer of the Victorian Public Tenants Association to talk about the interim report that's just come out and what it means for public housing tenants. So we'll go straight into that now. Excellent. So I'm joined by Kathleen Butters from the Victorian Public Tenants Association. How are you going this afternoon? I'm well, thanks Fiona. Thanks for having me. Well, thanks for coming along again. We spoke to you um, last year when the Victorian government announced that they were doing some review of the social housing regulations. And we've asked you back on um, today because they've just released the interim report. Um, Would you be able to tell us a little bit about, I guess, firstly, who are the Victorian Public Tenants Association and and what do you do? And then secondly, what the process has been around this consultation? Absolutely. So the Victorian Public Tenants Association is the peak body representing people who live in public housing as well as people on the wait list in Victoria. But in practice, we do our best to assist anybody in any kind of social housing that comes to us and asks for assistance. And we can do that in a couple of ways. A lot of our work is done through our free telephone advice line where our tenant advocates are on the phone to people all day, every day, helping them sort out issues with their housing. And we also run an outreach program. So pre-COVID, we were on the road and Matilda, our community engagement officer, was everywhere around the state every year. We also give advice to the department and to government and to advocate for improved policies, procedures in social housing and, of course, for much more public housing. Great. And so just recently, the interim paper for the Social Housing Regulation Review has come out. Um, This, I believe, is the fourth paper that's come out through this consultation. And I'm assuming that you've been involved in writing submissions to all of them. Um, For for listeners, maybe you could just run us through what what the focus is of these papers and, and how people have been getting involved. Absolutely. So going right back to the beginning, we have had 
as you say, four papers now come out from the independent review panel. The first three were discussion papers and they each dealt with kind of a rough topic in the social housing regulatory arena, I suppose is fair to say. So there were three discussion papers, each of which had a number of questions in it that they were seeking responses to. And while those three discussion papers were being published and people were busy responding to them, there was some other consultation that was going on as well. And we were quite heavily involved in that. Uh, so we were most involved in the consultation project to hear from as many people who live in public housing currently as possible. And at the same time as that was happening, a very similar project uh, was happening to hear from people who live in community housing, as well as Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander social housing communities as well. So we had the three discussion papers from the panel, responses from the public and from the sector, and then coordinated lived experience consultations happening as well. Now, right after Christmas, and I think right before New Year, we've had the interim report come out, which is the fourth paper from the panel. It includes a number of draft recommendations and kind of paints a general path or gives a general idea of where the panel think that government should be going with this. But those recommendations need to be formalised in a final report that's due out in the middle of this year. And so what was your impression of that direction? What, do you think that the panel, the, the general gist of, of where they're heading is a, is a good thing? Or do you think just very broadly, we can get into some more detail in a moment, but what was your first view when you first read that paper? When I first read the paper, I was pleasantly surprised. And that's a view that's kind of carried through with me as I've gone back and read it again and started talking to our colleagues at other organisations about it as well. I think it's fair to say that this review panel has really engaged very deeply uh, kind of across the sector and their recommendations are more positive than I suppose we dared hope. There are a lot of the tenant advocacy rec uh, recommendations to the panel that we've seen reflected in what's come out in the interim report. So overall, we think it's quite a positive start. That's great. And I noticed there was some specific kind of mentions of the Victorian Public Tenants Association. I, I think maybe before we go any further, we should explain to listeners that may not be across the differences um, that, that public housing is owned and managed by the state government and community housing is either owned by the state government and managed by a not-for-profit community housing provider or it's owned and managed by a community housing provider. And currently there's sort of two ways two different streams, I guess, of um, regulation and review and support. And there's not a great deal of support for people who are living in community housing as opposed to public housing. So one of the um, ideas that's come up through this paper is that community housing tenants would have the same options to be kind of represented by the VPTA. Um, what, what did you think about that? Was that something that you've been asking for? It is something we've been asking for, and we are really keen to represent them formally. So as I said at the beginning, we uh, we will always assist a community housing renter if they approach us for assistance. But a lot of the time, people don't know that they can, but you absolutely can. We're not going to turn anyone away. Having said that, it will be a lot easier for us to give everybody attention that they need and that they deserve and for us to reach out for them if we are the formal representative. And I think at the end of the day, 
that's great for tenants. It means there's greater fairness across all social housing renters in Victoria because everybody has access to a formal representative body. Uh, but it also means that we can collectively improve tenant outcomes. I'm very aware that often for people who live in public housing, your housing officer might not be on the very top of your list of favourite people. And there can be really good reasons for that sometimes. But likewise, we know that people tend to get into these jobs because they want to help people. And sometimes the problem is that there is a disconnect uh, between the tenant and between the housing officer. We find often we're able to help people get the outcome that they want out of their housing officer just by kind of helping them negotiate where we can. And if we can do that more for people who live in community housing as well, then that's great because at the end of the day, everybody wants the same thing and that's great outcomes for people who live in social housing. There was mention also of better training for housing workers as well and, and they called out the sort of inconsistency around people's, you know, the varying housing offices and the housing types. Did you, is that another thing that, that you have been asking for in your submissions? Training for housing officers uh, or tenancy managers, no matter what they're called, and for more training, I think, is always a good thing. You know, learning new things, learning new ways of doing things is never a bad outcome. I suppose the big question that we really have is how realistic is it to expect that with their current workload, housing officers, tenancy managers are able to go and do training and implement new ways of doing things if that's what best practice requires them to do and also manage, you know, the hundreds of tenancies that they're already managing. So training is great. We would never say no to training, uh, but we wouldn't say no to more housing officers either so that people could get in touch with them more easily. And housing officers had a fair chance of being able to get back to all of the people that are contacting them for help as well. Yeah, and I suspect that some of the issues that people have with their various housing offices may be a cultural thing within that particular housing office as well, which no amount of training will help with. <laughs> but I, I think um, I know that some community housing providers are more keen to have workers that are social work background rather than real estate background. And I think that's probably a, a better direction for things to be heading in. So yeah, the other thing that they mentioned was um, around tenant participation and dispute resolution. Um, we've been wanting for ages for there to be improved dispute resolution across a range of housing types. Had they put any sort of parameters around what that might look like? Um, is What sort of direction do you think they're heading in in terms of dispute resolution? So something that has been really pleasing is that since the paper has come out, one of the questions the panel has come to us with is, how can we get tenants more involved in telling us what they think tenant participation should look like and what dispute resolution might look like? And so I think they're really open to hearing about what that should be and getting, getting opinions from the people who will be using these systems and the opinions that really matter most, which is the people that will be impacted by them day to day. So I'm very excited to kind of see where this next round of consultation goes and where we come to at the end. It sounds exciting. So, so what is the next stage? Do we do we know what's happening? The mid-year, I believe, the final report's due. Is there opportunities for tenants, people living in public housing or people living in community housing to have a say now on the recommendations? There absolutely is. 
So true to form in government land, you can write a submission. It is, they are due in on the 28th of February, they close. And they're submitted via the Engage website where you'll find the consultation reports, including the one put together by the VPTA, which I highly recommend reading, as well as people's submissions, again, including ours, the initial discussion papers, the original terms of reference and some community resources as well. The interim report is there and you can provide a submission through that website. Our understanding is that there will also be some events happening that will help people uh, provide their feedback in a more discursive way. And of course, the Victorian Ombudsman has this week announced a, an investigation into social housing complaints processes and how they might be able to be improved. So while that's a separate thing from the regulatory review, I think the timing of the Ombudsman's investigation fits in really nicely. So their recommendations should be able to also inform the final recommendations that we get mid-year. Yeah, and I guess it's not uncommon for people to be reluctant to make complaints about their housing provider because it is impacting on potentially their tenancy and so there's a lot of fear around that. Um, are people able to make anonymous sort of submissions? Um, can they come to you if they've got things that they want to see the VPTA say? Yes, people can certainly come to us and let us know what they would like us to be advocating for. But likewise, if they've got some nerves or some anxiety around making a submission or being involved more formally, that's something we can have a chat to them and assist with as well. That's great. So I guess there's been a lot of cynicism around government consultations and whether they actually do anything. Um, we are often asked to make submissions into these long-winded processes and we don't seem to see much improvement. But it sounds from what you're saying that they are listening potentially and we may may have an opportunity to actually improve the regulation of social housing. So, um, yeah, so it's good to hear that. And, and I'd encourage any listeners to get in contact with either the VPTA or ourselves at HAG. We've also been putting in submissions to this and I'll put the contact details in the show notes. Um, thanks so much. Is there anything else that you'd like listeners to, to hear about? Not right now, uh, but yeah, I would just add as well that everything looks positive right now but that doesn't mean it's time to kind of turn away and stop being involved it's still really involved important to be involved in this process and to keep sharing ideas with the panel because that's what gotten that's what's gotten us this far uh, but we're not at the end of the road yet it really is the final report that we need to see so while things look promising now uh, it's not time to take a break we'll be busy and until the final report is handed down and I assume beyond that as well. That's right because I guess the, the significance of this is if you look at the big picture is that the government's shifting their funding focus from public housing to community housing and a lot of um, a lot of public housing is getting knocked over and replaced by community housing so this is something that um, the government has openly said they're doing and so it's really important that we get it right now um, and that community housing tenants have the same rights um, and opportunities to improve their housing as, as public housing tenants. So um, great to have you so active in this space and such a, a good person to come on and chat with us about disentangling this quite complicated process. So thanks again, and, um, and we'll have you back on again when the final report comes out. Thanks, Fiona. Thank you. City, City Limits. limits. Brought to us by the People's Committee for Melbourne every Wednesday at 9am. City Limits is Melbourne's only hour devoted to our urban environment. To transport and planning and housing issues. To privatisations and our utility services. To building and or maintaining a sense of community. 
855 on the AM band, if we can hear it through the noise and find it through the smog. City City limits. limits. What a show of strength we've got here today. Local issues. So I'm here at the school, kids strike for climate action. Live coverage. Join the, the spirit of this gathering here today at IMAR. Your voices. So give us a bit of a lowdown about what's happening. There's about 200, 250 people here at the moment. Community struggles. We're now in front of the uh, Tundaminuaya Mulbohina Monument. I'd like to thank Community Radio 3CR, who for the last decade has been broadcasting here. Feed Radical Radio, your membership is vital. A few hundred people about to pass us right now. Lots of young people standing up for their future. Subscribe today. Go to 3cr.org.au forward slash subscribe or call the station on 9419 8377. You're still listening to Raise the Roof, the Housing for the Age Action Group show here on 3CR, 855 AM. Um, before those announcements, we heard from Caitlin Butters from the VPTA, the Victorian Public Tenants Association, uh, about some of the issues and reforms in that area. And now, Fiona, what are we going to hear about next? So listeners will be acutely aware that we're about to have a federal election. Um, even though there's not been a date announced, we know that it's imminent and all of us are hoping to get rid of the current government. I don't think there's any secret in that. Um, but we want whatever government gets into power to have better policies um, and better kind of, you know, putting more funding into improved housing for older people, um, affordable housing in places where people want to live, and also improved services for older people who are experiencing homelessness. So we have, HAG has developed a federal election um, advocacy platform, which you can download from our website. And we're encouraging the people, members, the public, whoever's interested to contact their MPs um, and the candidates in their seats to talk about the issues of older people and housing. Um, but we do know that this is a bit intimidating for a lot of people and maybe you're scared you're going to say the wrong thing or, you know, you're not quite sure of your background. So in order to support that, we have um, Gemma White, who is um, a long-term HAG um, person who's been around for a long time. So long-term listeners will recognise her name, I'm sure. And she's here today to tell us about some of the things that she's been doing to support people to meet with their MPs and their candidates. So how are you going today, Gemma? Yeah, not too bad. Thanks, Fiona. How are you? It's lovely to have you back on the radio. Yes, great. <laughs> so tell us about what you've been up to with some of the some of our members and people um, meeting their MPs. So we've been encouraging our members and um, members of our working group, working groups particularly, um, to meet with their MPs or their candidates about housing issues for older people and put forward some of the solutions that we've come up with in terms of our policy recommendations. So we sort of work 
Uh, and anyone from the community who's passionate about this issue, please feel free to get in touch with us and we can walk you through this process uh, that I'm going to explain now. So basically we're working with people on a one-to-one -one basis. So we're sort of providing coaching, I guess you would call it, um, to each person that wants to speak to their MP or their candidate in the lead up to the election about housing. Um, we provide a set of tools to begin with so and anyone can access these tools they're on our website under federal election advocacy toolkit and maybe um, Fiona can put a link in the notes at the end of the show um, so there's a few different things there's a toolkit which sort of walks you through in a really step-by-step -step way uh, the process of organizing a meeting with your MP or candidate preparing for that meeting uh, the types of things you might want to talk about, the types of things you might, the backgrounding you might want to do on the MP or candidate to work out what your conversation is going to look like. So there's heaps of information in there about how to prepare uh, for your meeting with your MP. But I can also talk to people directly and go through this process with them. So this is just sort of like a resource that exists to help. Um, and we have even uh, request a meeting with your MP template that you can use, which is like a letter or email that you can send to them filling out personal information um, to request a meeting. And then if you get a meeting, we can again chat. And so I'll just use an example of what um, our wonderful volunteer Francis has done through this process. Um, so Francis is a volunteer for um, the for NASH, uh, NASH Group, um, National Alliance and Seniors for Housing. And Frances uh, contacted me because she was willing to speak to her MP or she wanted to speak to her MP and local candidate um, in the area of Leichhardt. So we sort of went through this separate process. Uh, she talked to me about her sort of personal experiences in terms of homelessness and older people. Um, she's volunteers in the community, so she gets a lot of stories from the community. And she was saying that she has all this information in her head and she wanted to sort of clarify it um, in a way, in a sort of package that works to speak with her MP. So, um, yeah, we had three, four phone calls together talking through what the issues are, putting them together in sort of like a package that makes sense in terms of what the federal government is responsible for and what we can ask the government for. Um, and we talked about, you know, what HAG's policy recommendations are. And um, she's so far she's had two um, really great meetings, one with a light of faith, which went really well um, and, you know, the subsequent meetings that are organised and she was really on the ball um, and understood the issues. And another one with um, Warren Inch, who's the Liberal candidate who was not so interested but sat and listened and asked for further information. So, um, yeah, two very different responses. But, um, yeah, Francis did a really great job and A Light of Faith put stuff on social media about the meeting which really helped to get the issue out there into the community and, you know, build awareness of the issue um, for people that follow her and that sort of thing. So I really hope that as many people as possible can go through this process and speak with their MP or candidate um, to spread the word and also, you know, to get some action on these issues. So Francis is in a marginal seat up in Queensland, so it's particularly important for her, I guess, to be speaking to candidates. There's other marginal seats all across the country. Um, so 
we we would be encouraging people in marginal seats to talk to their candidates and their MPs. But also, even if you don't live in a marginal seat, it's still important um, for everyone to speak to their candidates. Is are we? Do you do you have information if someone was to ring and they weren't sure who their person was to speak to? Can we help them with that information as well? Oh yeah, definitely. It's really easy to find out from our perspective. Um, what your electorate is, who your representatives are, whether it's marginal and that sort of thing. So, um, yeah, definitely give us a call and we can find all that information out for you. And Frances has got an experience in her own life of, of being at risk of homelessness or being homeless, but that doesn't mean the people who haven't had that experience can't get involved either, right? Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's really great to talk about your personal experience if you do have your personal experience because the um, the politician has to kind of, they can't say, oh, that's not my issue or, you know, they have to listen and they have to try and do something about it. Um, but if you don't have personal experience, if you're just passionate about the issue, you probably know people in the community that have been at risk of homelessness or um, are homeless. So, yeah, you can talk to whatever your experience is, whether it's personal, whether it's through, you know, even through listening to this show. Um, yeah, use whatever you have as um, background. And I guess I'd add, like, you know, when you say experience of risk of homelessness, you know, people might imagine that that is limited to pretty dramatic circumstances, which, of course, are, are really common. But any pensioner in Australia who's in private rental knows, you know, severe rental stress, knows what it's like to worry about, you know, how they're going to pay the rent, how they're going to balance their utility bills, their medical costs and the food <coughs> So these are very common experiences and, and not just marginal ones. So I think that anyone listening to this show probably does have a lot of personal experience to bring to bear. And yeah. if, if people are um, not wanting to meet their MPs but they still want to do something for the federal election, are there other options for people that may be not as brave as, as wanting to set up a meeting? Build a guillotine. <laughs> I mean, you can always send a letter to your MP or your candidate and they have to respond to the letter. Um, yeah, if we can get as many letters in as we can, they'll see that there's community um, interest in the issue and that, you know, they'll feel pressure to do something about it. So, yeah, you can definitely send a letter or an email. They do have to respond to you. That's great. Um, is there any, how do people get in contact um, if, they, if they're all fired up and they want to go talk, talk to their MPs? Um, you can call. Well, we probably have come to that part of the show where we should give out some contact information. So maybe I can take over this. Okay. Um, the, if you want to get in touch about some of that policy type work, um, the best number to call us on is 03 9654 7389. And you want extension three. Um, so again, that's 03 9654 7389. Um, if you want to get in touch, sorry, Gemma, I'm just stealing your time now to spruik our services. If you want to get in touch because you're an older Victorian with a housing problem or you just want some information about your housing options, uh, the best number to call is 1300 765 178. That's 1300 765 178. Or you can find out more on uh, our website, which is oldertenants.org.au. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter or Facebook. Uh, all those good things or terrible things, as the case may be. Um, so, yeah, lots of options for getting in touch if you want to find out more. Yeah, and um, the federal election is has to happen before the end of May and then later in the year we're going to have the state election. So 
We're hoping to be doing something similar for the state election for people that live in Victoria. But wherever you live in Australia, if you are concerned about older people's housing issues and you think it's about time the government did something about it, get in touch and we'll be able to support you to make that change for the federal election, hopefully. Can, can I just say, I am now convinced that the election is going to get called between now and this show going to air tomorrow night. I know that's a, a bold call. The reason I say this is that Fiona has a terrible phobia that where if we pre-record the show, there'll be some news between the time that we record it and the time it goes to air that we didn't talk about. And she's just said that the election, you know, earlier in the show, the election doesn't have a date yet. So I'm convinced that either all her fears will come true in the next 24 hours or all her fears will be proved groundless and she'll stop uh, worrying about it in future. So happy either way, really. Let's hope that's not the case, but let's also hope that we get a date finally. We can keep these people out. Um, so that's probably all we have time for. Um, what song are we going to hear? Oh, what song are we going to hear? We're going to hear from The Cable Ties, and the song is called Hope because that's what we're hoping for. Um, so we'll end up with that, and we'll see you um, in two weeks' time for the next exciting show. Awesome. Thanks, Hoops, Jenna. Thanks, Gemma. Hey, thanks. too far. I say, Pete, they don't go far enough. I'm back in Melbourne. I'm not doing the best I can. On bad days, I'm a parasite. On my good days, I say, at least I tried. I'm getting asthma as I run for the train. Is it genetic from my family or is it just harder to breathe?